0: great uh so nice to be with you all morning everyone morning um, uh we've obviously just come to the end now of our encountering god week uh, if you don't know we've sort of taken a week out of the start of the year just to pray fast seek God together thank you so much for everyone that's been a part of that and have really given themselves to prayer and all of that if you um, uh, it's sort of uh, I guess it's a sneaky way as well of us encouraging you to spend more time with God every day to get into your Bibles to read more that sort of thing pray more if you're like uh, asking well what do I do tomorrow uh, what 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 happens next well hello nice to see you guys um, if you're wondering what to do next then here's two little things that I wanted to show you this is, I've had this for years this is a, thank you so much do you want to, thank you this is a, <laughs> this is a bible in a year and it just gives you readings every day from the Old Testament New Testament and the other book is um, if you ever have tried to read the Bible in a year, you'll find very quickly, you'll open up on a certain date and have no idea what you're reading about. You'll probably read it just dutifully, but you're like, what is this Old Testament prophet? What is this book about? This book here is like a cheat sheet. It explains what you're reading. It's called How to Read the Bible Book by Book by Fee and Stewart. If you're looking to invest in something that you'll keep for years, How to Read the Bible Book by Book is a really great, Resource, Thank you so much for doing that. So let's put those down. Great. I, some of you know I tried to go on retreat this week, uh, take 24 hours out uh, to pray and seek God. I managed somehow to take my wife's nighty with me and, it, and it unfortunately it was on the bed as my host came in to welcome me for the stay. And I just thought, right there is, like, my Christian life. I try, like, my best to, like, be all good, go away, pray, and then there's a woman's nighty on the bed, and embarrassing failures. Anyway, if you're new, just go with it, okay? The pastor's got a nightie. Uh We are reading uh, from Acts 2 uh, today. If you've got a Bible, do you want to open it up? Uh, if you've not, it's going to be on the screens. But we're going to read together these first few verses last few verses in Acts chapter 2 together Peter replied repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll be and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit the promise is for you and your children for all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call and with many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them save yourselves from this corrupt generation And those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's so good that let me repeat that. And the Lord added to their number daily. Those who are being saved. I love these verses. I love these verses because they are the inspiration behind really every church on the planet. They're the inspiration for uh, why we do what we do here at Mosaic. When I was 14 years old, I became a Christian. Uh, and somehow God just gave me a passion for the local church. Sadly, I sort of slipped away from faith in late teens, then at university came back to God, and I remember a moment when someone was praying for me actually, and praying about my future, and they said to me, what do you think God wants to do with your life? What, what do you think he's made you for? And I sort of knew that whatever came out of my mouth would be significant for the future and I found myself saying these words never said them before but I, I, I found myself saying I just want to plant a church like I read about in the book of Acts this passage here and part of the excitement of reading something like this and then going church planting is you're asking the question would God do it again like he did it here in the, the birth of the church, but would God do it again? And our testimony as a church family over the last sort of 12 years or so is by God's grace, we have seen hundreds, maybe thousands of lives transformed by God. And we've had a taste of this. We've had a taste together, I think, of Acts 2. But there is much much more and actually I want to use today to revisit these verses to talk about our vision afresh and some of the hopes and dreams we have here for our church family and particularly some of the things that we're going to be going for together that we take our cues from really because of what's in this passage. So let's start in verse 38. I'm just going to whisk through this passage verse by verse. Verse 38, Peter stands up. He's the leader. He's the guy that sort of emerges out of the disciples to sort of explain to the crowd what's going on. He says, he replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So before we actually get the definition of what a church is like, we get a definition of what a Christian is like. And if you're someone who's on a been on a bit of a journey with us trying to explore faith, perhaps you're here just thinking, you know, do I want to be a Christian? Uh, what would it mean to be a Christian? Well, right here you find the definition of a Christian. A Christian is someone who has repented from their sins. So they've they've turned away from life without God. They believe in Jesus, they're filled with his spirit, and then they demonstrate all of that through baptism. That is what it means to be a Christian. And if you're on that journey, what's stopping you from doing that today? Like what's stopping you from becoming a Christian today? If you're ready, why not today be the day that you sort of say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. I want you to hear Peter's passion. Verse 39, the promise is for you. And your children and for all those who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call, and with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, "Save yourself from this corrupt generation, so this new life is is for them, but it 's not just for them it 's for their children as well. Peter is thinking legacy, and we should too if we 're not expecting our kids if you 're a Christian in the room and a parent if we 're not expecting our kids to go further than us to to avoid some of the mistakes that, that we made, uh, to go further than us in the Lord and to see much more of God at work in the world, then our thinking is wrong. We've got to expect that the life that's been given to us will, will, will take uh, real root in our children's lives and we pray that they would flourish. They would go further than us. I'm feeling like I'm getting one mmm. Uh, if you're a parent, isn't that what you want from your kids? If them to go much further than us. Verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So Peter, he preaches, 3,000 Jews that were listening, repented, believed and were baptised. You know, um, if you have had a baby, you know that giving birth is, is a challenge and the next few weeks after that are a challenge. But actually, um, there's a whole lifetime of the adventure of parenting ahead. And the same goes for baby Christians. And for these 120 believers, each one, in, after this preach, are suddenly given 25 baby Christians each to look after. And I, I don't know how you would feel if that was asked of you. 25 people, would you look after them for us? You'd be like, no hey, thanks, actually. Uh, 25 people. And so obviously they had to work out what did that mean to do life together. And we find what it looked like, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And that one verse contains the four things that were the building blocks to that church. And I would say it's the building block to every church. Number one, there were baptized believers filled with the Spirit. Secondly, there was true fellowship and community. Uh, regularly, they, they met together. Thirdly, there was worship There was the breaking of the bread, taking communion, and there was prayer. And fourthly, it was all guided by godly leaders who teach from the Bible. So any church plant that grows eventually into a church will have these things happening together. It's a helpful reminder, actually, for what it means to be in community, to be experiencing true church life together, worshipping, breaking bread, praying all together. And I guess if you're still on the edges of church, it's really good for you to see this is what life should be like in fellowship with one another. If you're still on the edges, then today is a moment where we say, we just want to call you in. We want to invite you in for more. I hope you see that the church is more than just attendance. It's more than just coming on a Sunday, but it's deeply rooted in in being family together that is centered on Jesus. Just look at the type of family it was, verse 43. Verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So you've got miracles, you've got healing, you've got generosity, you've got commitment. Uh, and it expressed itself in meeting in sort of large gatherings like this and also small gatherings in the home. And and that's the dream right there. And I, I hope you believe that's this is our dream too, that we would see a community like this. And then we've got the results of such devotion and commitment, verse 47. They're praising God, they're enjoying the favour of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So each day, more people were saved, baptised, and entered their community. That was normative, that was the expectation. And I find this absolutely fascinating, that the blueprint for... Every local church around the world for what church looks like is bookended with people being saved and growth happening. If you imagine a sandwich, it's almost the filling is what the community was like. But the bread on either side were people being saved. Verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptised. About 3,000 were added. And verse 47, the Lord added to the number daily who were being saved. So the Spirit is giving these disciples um, power to be witnesses. People were becoming Christians. They were repenting. They were being baptized. And they formed this devoted community. And then more people were becoming Christians too. So listen, in the last year, um, we felt, in 2016, we felt together as a church family, the word for us was maturity. That was sort of the thing that we were going for. And last year was a wonderful year in the life of the church. We've now grown to about 500 people across our three sites and four services, everyone that's a part of Mosaic. Uh, We saw last year 20 people saved and baptized, brought into the church family. And with all sort of people leaving, coming uh, across the church, we grew by about 10%. So net growth last year was about 10%. And we also trusted God for about £50,000 increase in our budget. You guys will remember some of that. And God's provided that. And alongside all of that, we've been able to train people, 30-plus people, did our discipleship course. Uh, we've had some very fruitful intro courses. We had about 31 guests come to our evening uh, intro course. We've started new mission groups. We're actually at a point where we're asking three uh, leaders to sit in with our three exis- existing elders that help lead the church. Uh, we're asking Matt Jones, who's in the south. We're asking our own Ian Walker, who's here in the north, and Rich Bradley, who's at High Park Henley, just to sit in with us as elders and to contribute, but also to learn what it is to be an elder. And we're really, really excited that Ian's joining us in that. And it's fantastic. It's... And I, Two people were smiling, so I think everyone else is happy for you as well, Ian. You've got one thumbs up as well. Um, So maturity, brilliant, guys. Absolutely brilliant. What a year. But listen, for this year, if we were to have a word that summarised what I would like to lead us into for this year, it would be growth. I'd like us all guns blazing to go for growth, to trust God for growth. And for that to happen... So that's a nice word to have. For that to happen, the implication is that we need to grow in our evangelism and our mission. I need to grow in it. You need to grow in it. We need to grow in our witnessing. And if you've been around Mosaic a while, you'll know that we've we've never really wanted to talk about numbers that much. Uh, because when you talk about numbers, it immediately feels like you're building an empire. It immediately feels like it's about us and it's... We're the best church, and, and as a leader, it's also often quite unhelpful. And so we, we talk about other things. Uh, but I just felt this year that we were meant to talk about it a little bit more. And, um, and I hope that's okay, and I, I hope it doesn't, like, jar too much. The reality is numbers always reflect people, and people matter to God. And so within 30 minutes' drive of this place are 2.5 million people. And 1%, less than 1% regularly go to church. Just 10 minutes away, there's 80,000 students that go to the different universities in Leeds. Less than 1% know Jesus. All across this very multicultural city, there are tens of different nationalities, many of whom have never heard about Jesus before they came to this country. And our church does not reflect the multicultural nature of our city yet. They are people that matter to God. And so um, for 2020, for three years' time, I would love to call us to be a church of 750. And that being uh, not just, you know, I think it's helpful to be able to summarise it, but really what I hope you hear is that extra 250 people represent lives that matter to God. Uh, If we just keep growing, at the rate we're growing, 10%, we will get to 750 in three years' time. But I guess the important thing is that I would like 50% of those new people joining us to be new Christians. So it isn't just people that are coming from other churches or moving to the city, though we, we welcome you into our family. Our real joy, isn't it, is when we see people get to know Jesus. And so 2020, I'd love for us to grow by 750, at least half those people coming in, uh, becoming Christians, getting baptised. And just to sneak in there, I'd like us to plant at least one church in the next three years. We can do that. We can definitely do that. So currently, we are seeing one Christian baptise or one person become a Christian and get baptised every three weeks. By 2020, I'd like that to be every week. I think that's a really good thing for us to go for together. And one day, the dream is that we see people becoming Christians every day like they saw in Acts 2. That's living in revival, and we pray for that day. That, I mean, Who doesn't want to be a part of a day where we see that many people come to know Jesus? Don't forget these numbers represent people. Uh, there's a young lad who comes to our South gathering, um, and he's really connected with our Holbeck community. He's a guy who comes from a, a family of atheists. He himself knew nothing about God whatsoever. Though someone invited him to come to, uh, to uh, like a kids club type thing where it was a fun night run by Christians. He first heard about Jesus there. But then got too old to go and he was sort of, I guess, found in community by one of our mission groups in South Leeds. They brought him in, fed him every week, began to talk about Jesus. He now goes to the Holbeck monthly service and recently he's given his life to Jesus. And we're looking now to sort of see him baptised. And it's people like him that I, I that I feel we're calling, I, I'm calling you guys as a church to orientate your lives, prioritise your lives into reaching people like them and sometimes it's helpful to have some things that we go for as a church to stimulate that. So I hope that's what you hear me saying. This isn't about an empire, this is about us provoking ourselves to reach more people. And over the years, I guess as we've tried to initiate change and do things differently, what i found is this, change only comes to your life and to my life when we think and act differently. When we just try and act differently, it's like a surface level change that doesn't really last for very long. That's why 90% of New Year's resolutions fail, because you just try and live differently, you don't think differently. And actually the most powerful thing in changed action is changed thinking. And so to finish in sort of this last section, I want to give you some things. If we're going to be a church that grows, if we're going to be a church that prioritises the mission side of things, then um, I've got some things that I want you to change in your thinking and a couple of things to change in your doing. Um, The glory of this is that This isn't a hard message to preach because one of the beautiful things about Mosaic is that you guys believe this stuff already. Like I'm not having to preach in a way that convinces you that reaching people for Jesus is important. You guys are on board with that, yeah? Yeah. Amen, great. So three things. Number one, let's think differently about our guilt when it comes to sharing Jesus. Listen, there is never enough evangelism. We We never will evangelize enough. There will always be someone who does it better. There will always be more moments in your day where you could be evangelizing. Get over the guilt because most of us find it hard. Let's not live in that place. What about instead of having feelings of guilt and hopelessness, we realize that God uses everyone who makes themselves available. God uses everyone who makes themselves available. Why can I say that with confidence? Well, the command of Matthew 28 to go make disciples of all nations applies to everyone and the promise of Acts 1 verse 8 that God will pour out his spirit for everyone to have power to be his witnesses, go together. God asks everyone to make disciples and then promises to enable everyone to do it. I hope you're convinced of that. God calls all of us, To be his witnesses, and he promises to empower all of us to do it. Listen, if life, if your life, if you're a Christian, it doesn't have evangelism somewhere, then your thinking is wrong. If you never bother because of this inbuilt feeling of, I'm just really rubbish at this, your thinking is wrong. If you say, I'll leave it to someone else because they'll probably do a better job, your thinking is wrong. Ultimately, it's wrong thinking about God and his promises. We need to think differently about our guilt. God calls all of us and enables all of us. Amen? Amen. Secondly, we need to think differently about God's desire to save people. It's easy for our faith, you see, to be really crushed when we look at our work colleagues and our friends and feel the resistance to the gospel that is amongst them I I worked uh, for a few years at British Gas and I remember that feeling of everyone that I spoke to about faith just it felt so difficult and no one ever seemed to ask me about it now ironically 10 years after leaving British Gas one of my work colleagues called me to say will you help me find out about faith it took quite a while for that seed to, to, to flourish But I found it very challenging in those moments to believe that God wanted to save my work colleagues because of what came at me at face value. We often think evangelism is something we do for God. And that is wrong thinking. Evangelism is our commitment to what God is already doing. God takes the initiative for the rescue. God is a missionary God. Forget this and we can end up believing lies about God's desire and ability to save people and that is just crushing and heavy. Do you guys agree? If you think it's about you, if it's about you clenching your fists and trying really hard because if you don't, no one else will. It's not about that. God is doing it. Um, I shared this at the prayer meeting I felt is important to share again. You know, we can appeal to God's desire to bring change, even when it looks sort of pretty dead to our eyes. So when my kids ask me for stuff, sometimes I say yes, but often I say no. I, I, and, and it's okay to say no to your kids every now and then. But the thing that always changes my mind is when they utter three power words. And the three power words are, Dad, you said dad you said you know I say ask asked me something no dad you said I was like oh no it's, I've got to do something about it now because they're appealing to my character they're appealing to my integrity they're appealing to my whole thing of being a dad I want to be a dad you know that, that lives up to what he says and they say, Dad, you said. And the same applies, you know, when we, we, we get into our workplaces, our neighborhoods, and we look and we think there is nothing out here, nothing fruitful. We need to say, Father, you said. And we might turn somewhere like John 4. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until the harvest. So I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. You said, Father, that this field is ripe for harvest. And we need to believe it. Take confidence in him throw it back to him, appeal to his character. And you know what happens when we do that? It gives us faith. It gives us this ability to see stuff that we didn't see before. And it's not faith in our ability. It's faith in the character and nature of God and his promises for his people. And thirdly, we need to think differently about our fears. That is the number one enemy of sharing Jesus is fear. Fear of looking silly, fear of rejection, fear of persecution, fear of losing a friendship, fear of offending. The list goes on. And the only real way through, fear I don't know if you know this, the only real way through, if you are fearful of witnessing, is to fear God more. That's the only way through fear, is to fear God more. Reverent fear means we want to please God more than we do ourselves and others. We see it in Acts two forty two. They were they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That word devotion stands out to me as like a, like a really important thing. What does devotion mean? When you're devoted to something, what, what what does that mean? What do you guys think? When you're devoted, you invest everything you've got in it. What else? at the expense of everything else. You're committed, aren't you? You don't want to be parted from it. It's wholehearted. And that's what they had. And I think when we have that deep devotion in our lives, God becomes our priority. God becomes the one we fear rather than those around us. A great fear of mine is that the older we get and the more responsibilities we have in life, the less our devotion to Jesus grows. And we fall into this trap of living the Western consumerist dream, prosperity, house, car, holidays, gadgets, friends, kids. And our Christianity sort of sits on top of those things. And so, in effect, we're still pursuing them. We probably can't afford to pursue them like our friends. But we have this it's a bit like buying a hot chocolate and being asked, do you want whipped cream on top? And there's this option to have something on top of our lives. And the great danger for us is that we just put Christianity on top of our sort of, of our cultural values and norms. And that means we can never be radically devoted to Jesus because all those things come first. And so we must make sure that right at our foundations is this Great devotion and commitment to the Lord Jesus and his purposes. If your devotion is split and watered down, when Jesus speaks, you'll be like, Well, how on earth am I meant to fit that in already? I'm already spending money on this, I'm already giving my time to this, I'm already doing this. Like Jesus, that don't fit in. So I've got all these priorities and things already, things I'm devoted to. Guys, let's beware. The the Western dream sneaking into our lives and usurping the Lordship of Jesus. That makes sense, everyone? It's gone quiet in the room. There's something to think about. So three things to think differently about. Uh, Think differently about your guilt, God's desire to save, and your fear. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say which one of those things is most applicable to you. And if you're an introvert, just sit there quietly, pretend no one's there. And if you're a guest, you just, just ask the person next to you. You don't have to give an answer to yourself unless you want to. Okay. Just trying to break up the preach for a 30 seconds. So turn to the person next to you. What's the change in thinking you need? What's the change? Is it your guilt? Is it your desire for God to, God's desire to save or is it your fear? Great. That was slightly awkward, wasn't it? Sorry about that. Anyone got all three? Yep. Yep. Great. Good company. Okay, so let me talk about stuff to do. And this is, uh, I don't know, I hope this comes across okay, but um, let me give it a go. Uh, I've got a table for you here, and it's not the best worded, and it's not great, but I hope it just gets a point across. Here is a table that sort of describes, if you like, how most people become Christians. And that you guys know that real lives don't work in tables. But it's just like general terms. You've got three stages of someone becoming a Christian that you know. The first stage is that you just make connections with people. You make friendships and you spend time with people that don't know Jesus. The second stage is more about sharing life. It's where the friendship goes deeper. And it's at this point that you actually get to connect at a spiritual level. You get to find out what people are thinking and what they believe and whether they're open to the gospel. And stage three is when you find someone that you're friends with that actually wants to go on a spiritual journey with you. And uh, you start inviting them to Alpha or you bring them to church or something like that. And the reason why I've just put it in stages is that we all know the feeling perhaps of we're in, like we've got lots of people at work on our street or on our family that we're friends with, and then we feel this overwhelming guilt that we should invite them to something, invite them to church or invite them to Alpha, and we jump from one to three and our friends feel like we've gone all Christian on them because we've not built the, the depth of friendship and the trust and the love and the the stuff that we should be doing as a community and i would say as a church family we spend most of our time in mission group and just generally living in stage one and it's it's massively impressive that as a church i think we're really good we're not a ghetto of christians people have non-christian mates and we we get outside of our communities well but i do think we struggle to go from stage one to stage two and that has to happen if we're to be a church that reaches out. You know, we've had some success in the life of the church. Um, Some of our mission groups have been doing a brilliant job at this. Uh, Our Share English group at our evening service, High Park Headley, they put on English classes uh, for international students. They now have 150 students that they connect with. And from there, they sort of take things further, stage two, if you like, Uh, by building friendships, doing social stuff, hanging out together. And then some of these students have gone on a bit of a journey uh, towards faith. Uh, Our guys in Holbeck have done the same very, very well. And there's some mission groups that are doing it. But I would say my reflection from speaking to mission group leaders is most of us feel like our mission groups can be a bit stuck in stage one as well. And so I would love to sort of go on a journey this year in helping, in mobilizing us as a church to grow in our ability to reach out in order to grow. I I I really feel that if you're sat there asking this question right now, how on earth will I fit this in to everything else, this stuff that Matt's asking me to do right now, you are asking the wrong question. If your question this morning is, How on earth am I going to do this extra thing? you are asking the wrong question. What would happen if all of us in the room prioritized this, the reaching out, and made everything else revolve around that? What would happen? You know, I wonder what changes would need to be made if all of us said, You know, I'm tired of just never really doing this stuff. I'm tired of not really having time for it, but rather I'm going to just try and reorientate my life so this is the important thing in it. I feel like no one is nodding with me right now, but this, I'm making the ask, and that's part of my job as a leader in the church is to, is to help gently guide us into the things that God wants for us. And I wonder whether this year there's a reorientation, a reprioritization that needs to happen that means that we are these people that, that live wet, ready to invite others into our lives. I do feel uh, for some of us it's about um, using the time that we, 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 we spend every day, uh, but perhaps we do it on our own, so our meal times, our time with family, stuff like that, and finding ways that we can share those with people that don't know Jesus Pip and I, we're trying to ask these tough questions like, how do we do this? The best we've come up with so far is that Pip, uh, she's a midwife. She has loads of people at work asking her about relationship advice. She sort of spends most of her breaks doing that. People get appointments with her to talk about their marriage. And so we feel like one way that we can invite people into our lives, so we're going to put on a little evening where we do a little bit of a marriage course taster. And we just sort of see what the interest is and hopefully from there we'll make some key relationships with people that we can start to invest in. And, and the starting is the marriage and the relationship, but then hopefully we can introduce them to things uh, to do with Jesus. So that's our go at it. I wonder what it is for you. What's it going to look like? And then uh, there are things that I guess we can do for you as a team. And so over this year, we're going to be sort of giving mission groups some tools to help them sort of develop these sort of friendships. We're doing evangelism training in our mission group leader training for the next two months. And there's a whole number of things that we're going to sort of try and walk together as a family into this. In particular, guys, for North, um, I would like us in this gathering to be expectant for growth. We just have uh, just under 140 adults that are part of our North gathering. I would like us to grow to 200 over the next couple of years and that's what I'm praying for and that's what I'm trusting God for and I'd love you to as well. There's some really fruitful areas uh, in the life of the church with families, with our youth and with our students. Just know for our youth, uh, Hannah Mackley has done an amazing job, hasn't she, with our young people. She's actually going to be going on maternity leave uh, very soon. And Sarah Brio, uh, uh, some of you know that's part of our youth team, is going to be taking on uh, the youth work and leading that team, which uh, uh, I know we as as parents of teenage kids are very excited about. Is Sarah here today? No, she's not here. When you see her, congratulate her. We're really excited about that. And obviously students is a really fruitful area and uh, with Ryan and the team leading Alpha, we're really expecting God to save people. Personally, Uh, In terms of North, I think God wants me to stay here for a little bit. Um, Oh, that's nice. I've got a yay. Um, Some of you know, I've basically taken on North uh, from Dave Horsfall uh, as caretaker manager, if you like. And uh, we were looking for a couple of other people, interviewing them, talking to them about coming and leading this gathering. Both of them love the church, but have just felt God does not open the door to that. And so at the moment... um, I feel like I'm being offered an extended contract now or something like that. And I'm really, really happy to sort of uh, continue to lead here, lead the core team. And I think it's going to be for a little while. Um, The reality is our evening service, our high part Henley gathering, that's going to be moving just after Easter, uh, closer into the city centre. I think the idea is they're going to go slightly earlier so that they can reach families, sort of broaden the bandwidth of people they can reach. And that takes the pressure off me having to go to lead a morning, which some of you know that I was planning on doing. So I'm here definitely for a little bit longer. I'm not sure I'm meant to be here like for the next five years, but definitely for the next year or so it seems like I'm here and I count it as an absolute privilege that God wants me here. And I'm trusting there's some great things that are going to be going on here. And I'd love us to grow a couple hundred people in these next couple of years. And I'd love us to work together to see God growing our gathering. So lastly, I'm really sorry, um, this is a little bit longer than usual. Lastly, you guys know um, that all of this takes money to do it. it. It's not free to preach the gospel. Uh, And it takes investment, and we've always tried to do this at Mosaic, as we've tried to use our finances very, very wisely. We're super, we we try and be super prudent, invest in people, invest in the mission, and so um, we're calling the church from the last week of Feb and the first week of March. So, uh, so it's about six weeks away, something like that. We're going to be holding a special offering. We do this every couple of years. We're trusting God for £75,000. So sort of extra to our normal budgets, And it's a huge sum of money. Uh, I always look around the church and think, uh, where is this going to come from? And God faithfully has provided for us year on year. But it comes as people sacrificially give. And we would love to invest in some of these growth areas. So here at North, it's really, really exciting. You know that people have... Uh, been having babies like crazy and lots of families joining the church we're at the point now where we're going to appoint uh, a part-time kids worker and so Vicky Keating is going to take on that job she used to be a teacher she is uh, leading our uh, intern team at the moment Um, and she became a Christian at Mosaic a number of years ago she has a real passion for young kids I'm trying to have anyone smiling at this point, but no one is smiling. It's the great news that we've got her like really investing in our kids That feel, and we'd like to obviously pay her out of a special offering. Rich Bradley, who leads our evening gathering, he currently is part-time looking after about 180 people. I don't know how he does it. Uh, he's got two jobs at the moment. We'd like to transition him into a full-time role so he can really lead that forward into especially to their new uh, building uh, at Leeds Beckett University. And uh, we're wanting to just keep investing locally. So we added about £10,000 to the budget. Oh, Vicky's here. I didn't even realise she's in the room. Let's give her a round of applause. She's there. Hey. Sorry, I didn't see you. We're we we so excited, Vicky, that you're doing this role. Um, and we want to invest £10,000 just locally to just really get behind this vision for growth. And we're, as North, we're paying for things like Pebbles, which is a great outreach uh, to parents and a whole ton of other stuff as well. And I'd love you guys, the point of me telling you up front is for you guys to be thinking what part can I play in giving to the special offering? One of my kids came to the prayer meeting on Thursday, heard about this, and just yesterday said to me, oh, can we go shopping to buy a load of ingredients? And I'm like, what for? And it's like, oh, I want to do a bun sale on our street. And I, like, what do you want to do a bun sale for? And you say seventy-five thousand pounds. We need to raise the money. And I love it. I love it. Like, they're on it. My kids are on it, um, and they're going to ask you for your money to give to the special <laughs> offering. So, a genius idea. So. Guys, I'd love you to do that. You know, you know that there's no, there's no obligation or pressure. This is between you and God. But what we give you is an opportunity to grow in your walk with Jesus by trusting Him with your finances. And so this is a moment for us to mature and grow into what God's calling us to. And we'll tell you more about that in time to come. So the hope is we grow. That's the vision. That's the word growth for this year. And uh, for us to do that together, I think it means we need to think differently, think differently about our guilt, God's ability to save and our fear, and to act differently, and particularly that whole deal about prioritizing reaching out to others and helping us move like stage one, stage two. That, I feel like, is where our weakness is, and that's where we can grow a little bit stronger. Okay? That's what we're going for. Do you want to stand to your feet? We're going to sing, and we're going to pray together. Uh, so where there's a few new faces this morning, I really hope if you're a guest here, uh, it's been helpful you see in our heart and our, our passion, I uh, hope it's something you feel uh, if you're wanting to join our church community, something that you connect with uh, as you hear about our dreams and visions for the future. But let me pray, we we need God's help, we're, we're we're dependent on him to help us with all this stuff. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your spirit on the early church to be filled with power to be your witnesses and uh, things haven't changed today Lord we need you we need more of you in our lives we need your spirit to fill us we need you to invade our lives with your presence we need that uh, that wholehearted dedication that we read about that that sense of commitment to the cause and commitment to Jesus and uh, we ask you Holy Spirit you fill us now And you would change the way we think, and you'd change the way that we act. I pray, God, that you would save many, many people, even the friends that we think of now, that we know are facing eternity away from the Lord Jesus. And we ask you on their behalf, in your name, we say, Father, you said, you said that there would be people from every tribe, every tongue, every language before your throne at the end of days and we ask you for those people so we lift our eyes to you beautiful saviour and ask for more in your name Amen. amen